and I'm Amy and welcome to the I Am A Health Sister podcast. This week we're going to talk about a few um, throaty issues. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> You make it sound so lovely. Oh, yeah. Make it sound so <laughs> unmedical. <laughs> yeah. Throaty issues, that kind of thing. Um, so <laughs> you have um, a few kids that you've picked up with Oh, I've picked up. No, that sounds completely wrong. Um, <laughs> you, you've you seen some cases in the community of uh, laryngomegalia. Laryngomegalia. I'm We're thinking of... in turns to yeah. pronounce things. Yes. <laughs> laryngomalasia. Laryngomalasia. <laughs> yeah. I never had an issue pronouncing it until today. No. And now I just cannot It's infectious, get over my it. problems with pronunciation. They're infectious. Yeah, I'm noticing. So, yeah, laryngomalasia, I came across... Um, for the first time as a student health visitor. And I think it's something, because I came across it again recently, so this is the second case now, and I just think it's something we all need to know about, really, because it's very distinctive. So it's quite easy when you hear it, you think, yeah, that's what that is. It's very... And with the case you've come across, did the parents have concerns? Were they were they were you seeing them because they'd had worries about the breathing? No, not at all. So the first one I ever came across was in my days as a student health visitor and I'd just started doing independent visits on my own. So any student health visitors listening that have just started doing that will know how that feels. Um and I was kind of newly qualified as a nurse to begin with as well. So I was very green. And going into this home, um, and I heard this noise, this noisy breathing, before I'd even sat down. Baby was in the other room, and we were in the lounge, and baby was in the bedroom, and I could hear the squeaking from the lounge, you know, straight into the other room. Yeah, yeah. I could hear this breathing. And I thought, oh my goodness, what is that breathing? So before I'd even said anything, you know, I sort of said... Oh, so um, the breathing noises. And mum said, oh, it's fine. She said, um, it's already been looked at. I was like, oh, okay, so what have they What have they decided? What, what happened? And she said, oh, okay, well, while we were in hospital, um, they observed the breathing and they listened and um, they were, because they thought the same thing, that it sounded very noisy. And I was like, yeah. And she said, um, and they said it's just fluid. It's just fluid in the airway from the birth. It's like they need to clear the fluid from the airway. They said it's really common, apparently. I was like, yeah, okay. And she said, and the midwife came round um, half an hour ago as well, and she said the same thing, that that it's just fluid from the airway. So at this point, I'm thinking... Oh dear, maybe if this is just me being very kind of naive and overdramatic and really worrying about something yeah. that I shouldn't. But I still thought, you know, I I want to have a look at this child's yeah, chest. Yeah. So And I'm right in thinking you've you've got some audio of what she actually sounds like. So this is a clip from YouTube so, that you yeah, found, isn't we'll it? It's play. not you, you didn't grab your phone and record the baby no. then on the visit. <laughs> no, this is, yeah, there's a couple from YouTube. So the first one is in a one-month-old baby. Um, and this is um, during a feed and then just after a feed. So I'll play it now. Okay. Wow. That's okay, really... so that's, yeah, very squeaky, very and, squeaky baby. And given that... I mean, if that's what the baby sounded like, um, my immediate thought is that sounds really dry mm. and not fluid-like mm. at all. Mm. And so this is the other clip that I found. Oh, 
So in that clip, you can really hear the um, the the stop, the almost like yes. the glottal stop, is it they yes. call it? Yeah, yeah. Um, when they're having that that real difficulty, that yeah. strider, you can really hear the strider. Yeah. In that baby. And again, it's it's the complete opposite of what you expect a fluidy fluid. yeah. sound. It's yeah. not bubbly. It's really dry. Squeaky yeah. is the word, isn't it? Yeah. And that's what these babies. That's the term that's often used is squeaky baby. So what happened? What did you advise? So I said. So I then said, okay, well, you know, would you mind if we did um, baby's weight first, and I just have a little look at her chest while I undress her, because I thought I don't really want to go any further with this visit with a baby if this really is a difficulty in breathing. I want to see this baby's chest like now. (laughs) Um, So we undressed the baby. And I had a look and I thought, I can see a lot of recession on this chest. There's tracheal tug going on. There's intercostal, subcostal recession. Loads of work of breathing wow. on yeah. this baby's chest. And I sort of thought at that point, well, actually, do you know what? Even if this is fluid and I'm totally wrong, still, it, whatever whatever obstruction to the airway is causing this problem it needs looking at because this baby can't continue to work this hard no. with their breathing indefinitely. At some point, they're going to get exhausted and they're going to need some support. So, yeah. And we don't want that to happen in the middle of the night when mum's at home with baby on her own. So um, at that point, I said, well, OK, I'd, I'd really like you to be seen today. And so I, I called, I actually called the GP and said, can you see baby now if I send her down? And they went straight down and the GP sent them into A&E. And then later on that day, I actually had a telephone call at the office because I'd given mum, I'd written in the red book about, you know, what I'd seen and heard and with my phone number. That's what you're supposed to do, isn't it? I think when you send in somebody in somewhere. So I'd written in and I had a phone call then from the A&E sister Uh later in the day saying, thank you so much for sending that baby in. They've got laryngomalacia and they've been admitted overnight. Um, to the ward for observation and we're actually considering surgical intervention which is really high end for laryngomalacia even you know 99% of cases of laryngomalacia they don't um, need to operate it self-resolves by the age of two on its own Um, so it shows you know actually how sometimes these things can get missed and we can get so used to the normal that we miss the abnormal sometimes. Yeah. It's so easily done. Yeah. And, I mean, do you know what the outcome was? Did the baby need surgery? I don't or? know. It was in my health student days, oh. so I, I sadly don't know what happened. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, you know, if you go into a home and you hear a noise like that and a baby's breathing, that's something that needs assessing. And yeah. I think it's because I was really nervous and I actually went back to the office and I kind of was very nervous to tell anyone of yeah. what I'd done because I was thinking they're going to just laugh at me for being this excessive, you know, overly cautious <laughs> yeah. student. Like, oh God, we send her out on her first visit and she's sending people to hospital, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I was, I think it's, you have to stick to your, your gut a little bit yeah. and have a bit of confidence in, in yourself. If you see that, you think actually... My gut was, I don't feel comfortable leaving this home no. with this baby breathing like this and me having done nothing about it. Yeah. And that was really the 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 end of it for me, really. That was the kind of factor that made me tip me yeah. over the edge to say, actually, even if I am wrong and I get laughed at, I'd rather just check this out. Yeah. And because I think it is like where I think, and because sometimes we may come across families who've had these things diagnosed already. Mm. And especially, yeah, I mean, with, with both 
that one and trachea and bronchial malaysia see i can say those all right i just can't work out where to break off laryngeal to make it into malaysia um but they yeah on the milder end of cases they 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 often don't need active treatment they are fine and actually although they are they are squeaky and Mm -hmm. they they sound at times awful Mm. those muscles do strengthen up they do develop well and things so essentially what it is is the clues in the name is Malaysia is kind of floppiness isn't it yes. so it's a bit of a floppy airway really yeah. floppy larynx and what's happening is the walls of the airway are, are not as structured and, and cartilaginous as they as they need to be yeah and there's kind of you can get into the complicated type one two and three but I don't think we really need to go there no, essentially no. it's a floppy airway yeah. and it's causing that noise so typically on inspiration they're making this kind of squeaky noise yeah and you can hear that there's a blockage yeah. um and because I think you know the laryn- laryngeal malaysia comes with it being around the larynx mm. the trachea malaysia is where it's a little bit further down the trachea mm. and then you can get bronchial malaysia which is right down just before the oh, lungs wow, yeah. branch out um and so there are these three different types um and yeah and the, the, there's primary and secondary so with the, the trachea and bronchial malaysia so those occur the primary occurs where the cartilage doesn't develop properly and is of poor quality and secondary can be due to problem abnormalities outside of the, the trachea and bronchi so maybe uh, a mass in the chest or enlarged blood vessel mm, okay. um so it's important to sort of be aware of <clears throat> these different things because they can impact on yeah. what treatment the child's going through and things and i guess really for health visitors um laryngomalacia is the most common congenital abnormality of yes. that area of the airway so yeah. it's the most common and it's a congenital condition, so yeah. it's something that they're born with. However, having said that, it doesn't always present no. immediately after birth. Yeah. So this was at a new birth visit, but I've also had, um, I did a six to eight week check two weeks ago, and I turned up, and it, this was actually two days before the baby turns eight weeks. Yeah. So it's really towards yeah, the yeah, end, yeah, yeah. pushing two months, yeah. really. And um, again, I walked into the house and heard this squeaking, and I thought, oh, okay, I didn't know this baby had difficulties with their breathing and then mum actually said to me can you hear this in his breathing do you think that's okay and I was like has nobody talked to you about that before she was like no I was like okay well I think that maybe needs to be looked at yeah <laughs> so again that's presenting quite a bit later yeah yeah um and it's something that I think is... out of interest was baby feeding well were they gaining weight well <clears throat> so breastfed baby and was feeding very 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 frequently right so i think what had been happening was the baby was compensating by feeding more frequently frequently. but mum had said that she was more worried about the breathing she'd noticed it during feeding and just after feeding yeah yeah um so i think that was when it was at its worst but i think again this was probably quite a mild case yeah probably didn't need a huge amount of treatment um they do typically resolve on their own by the age of 18 to 24 months they go away um just as that cartilage strengthens up and thickens up and the airway isn't so floppy anymore yeah so it's only really if they're not able to maintain their oxygen levels and they're not able to to it's obstructing their breathing to such an extent yeah that it's going to require some intervention so interestingly i've got um i think i've seen a few babies with 
the sort of the trachea and laryngeal malaysia mm-hmm. um, before both in A&E and in the community um, but one of the things where I think we can sometimes get a bit muddled up with the, the malaysias and mm. the sort of and you know, sort of stenosis mm. and yeah. toffs and things yeah. and so actually one of the, the interesting cases I've seen with, with a, an older child who's been through the mill with surgical interventions and things um, is someone you know, with um, who had a toff mm. a trachea esophageal fistula Mm. and um, esophageal, atres- um, esophageal atresia, where okay. it's sort of narrowing. Um, Did you say this was an older child? It was an old child, so this had all been diagnosed. So um, a, a TOF, a um, tracheoesophageal fistula, is something which can actually end up being, um, it can be diagnosed pre-birth even, it can be seen on ultrasound scan. Okay. Um, but not always. It can mm-hmm. still sometimes be a bit of a surprise. And with it, there's a lovely, um, we'll link to, I think we'll put a few links up in the blurb yeah. for this. There's some really useful information about all of the things we're talking about on um, the Great Ormond Street website mm. um, because often children are treated there. And there's some parent, good um, parent advice sheets, which are also quite good introduction for us into these things as well. And um, the... Um, Oral atresia or esophageal atresia is a condition where um, the section at the top of the esophagus, so sort of from the throat going down towards the stomach, hasn't formed properly and doesn't actually connect to the stomach. Okay. And then what happens is the um, the tracheoesophageal fistula it normally occurs with the esophageal atresia, and the esophagus coming up from the stomach actually joins onto the trachea instead of the oh end of the, um, tra- uh, the the blind end of the esophagus. So, yeah, I mean, it's they are sort of things where they, they indicate you know, emergency operations yeah. um, to be able to join the ends up. And what can also happen is that they can end up with, um, where the ends have been joined up, they can end up with tracheomalacia, um, ongoing because of the I suppose the trauma of the surgery the fact that it wasn't formed properly in the first place mm. you have this floppiness mm. um, and also end up with um, a bit of stenosis where there's narrowing mm. as well and so as I said the, the little boy when I met the family the child was already oh already two and a half I think okay. um, and so he's he's done with the main surgery for the mm. moment but it still has issues um still has to have very soft diet mm. um still having um being very prone to croup mm. and to um, chest infection having to be very careful that he chews his food up properly mm. and swallows it has plenty of water has to have thickener mm. with his water okay. to enable it to go down properly um and it's one of those things where i think we can sometimes bunch these things together in our head and I think it is important to, to know the different mm. conditions there are, what might happen. And because also with this young man going forward, although he is in, um, yeah, he's bright as a button, you know, very mm. lovely young man, but having to have... Um, All a, these kind of complex needs. Well, he's having to have um, 
an educational healthcare plan yeah because of the support he needs at meal times yeah. and actually it was interesting going to the meeting about this because realizing how much it impacted on staffing at the nursery they had to ensure they had staff there mm. on even the fact that they would normally in in their older child rooms have fruit available they're mm. having to be careful with that because he can't just go and pick something up and eat it like mm. his friends can and to the point where as well taking him longer to have meals mm. and how big an impact that can have mm. on the social integration mm, and those feelings of isolation even at like three Being and a half yeah and sort of how they realize that that means they're not quite the same as their friends mm. and things no, I guess. and and also for you know, school um, if they want to do trips out and if they mm -hmm. want to take lunch yeah have lunch out then mm -hmm. what do they do what things do they need to have mm. to be able to en enable him to do school trips and things it's really interesting eye opener i think we often think with these things oh yeah it's all the all the focus when they're a baby and things but actually mm. there is there is stuff that we need to be there for and i mean th this young man's very lucky his mum is amazing she is his biggest advocate mm. she is a brilliant communicator with all the different teams involved in his care um, but for another parent, we may really have to look at being yeah. that person who takes on that role and they might not be so aware and they mm. might not be able to write down so eloquently mm. what the child needs and things. Mm. So we need to be yeah, aware, aware of what our role may need to be in that case yeah. and things. Yeah. And sometimes we can, the, the health business role with a child with complex needs can be that kind of single point of contact. Yeah. Um, which can be really useful for families and they can sometimes find that very beneficial. Yeah. Um, the one other one I did want to mention yes, as well yeah. was um, in a case that I have seen, funnily enough, when I was a student health visitor, was um, tracheal stenosis. Okay, yeah. And this is something, again, where actually you, you might not identify it until they have a, a, an ordinary infection, mm -hmm. respiratory infection, but have a rather extraordinary... Response. response to it and things okay. and this is where some of the uh, the cartilaginous rings in the trachea whereas typically they are d-shaped mm -hmm. and so they have room to expand and to grow mm. this is where a, a segment of the the trachea has uh, already has completed solid rings okay. so they're o-shaped okay so that means that there's no room for them to, to move and flex and can actually cause narrowing of the airway as well. Mm -hmm. And this is something which um, that needs to be treated often by having those rings cut out. Oh and so they can actually end up with a shorter airway than normal, but wider. Okay. And it's a specialist thing. I mean, Great Ormond Street have got um, very detailed information and diagrams about how they treat it. And the sort of, they do what they call a sleeve operation, which is, or a slide, sorry, slide tracheoplasty where they literally take almost like an angled cut through the trachea and slide the two points up to meet okay. afterwards. It's um, it's quite amazing. But Incredible. again, it's something which you, you know, it, you, you can sometimes be put down to maternal anxiety. Yeah, sure. And yeah, and I think we've all got, yeah, I know I've got stories of parents who've, whose children have had these sorts of, conditions and mm. been almost put down to mm. over anxious parents and mm. then it turns out that you know there's something there is something quite significant going on and i think as health visitors i guess it's we don't really need to worry about exactly which of these kind of quite complex conditions and all of that is going on all yeah. we need to think is 
does this child in front of me look like they're struggling with yeah. their breathing? And yeah. if they do, have we identified what that is and is yeah. there an appropriate kind of plan in place? I think it, it's that combination of what are we seeing, what mm. are the parents telling us, mm. and actually you know, putting the, the things together. Does mm. this sit right? Is this something we need to take further action on? And not necessarily assuming that the people who've come before you have necessarily hit the nail on the head. Yeah. You know? We've all had days where we've missed things. I know I have. And yeah. that will ha- yeah. won't be the first time that it's happened to no. me. Um, and these things are easily missed sometimes and easily confused with other things. Yeah. Um, and sometimes emerge late. So yeah. may, you may have been the first pr- professional to have come into contact with this. Exactly. So if you're hearing something like that, um, then definitely you seek some support and make yeah. sure that you're getting a medical opinion on it. Um, it's interesting, actually, when you were talking about um, those that little boy with complex needs and his yes. needs, eating needs at nursery. Yes, yes. It's interesting you say that because with laryngomalacia, one of the things that we have to be particularly careful of is if that baby also has reflux. Yes. So if there's a reflux issue going alongside. So if you have a baby on your caseload with a squeaky airway um, or they have inspiratory strider or they actually have a diagnosis of laryngomalacia um always making sure you're asking those questions about feeding how is feeding going how is reflux are you having reflux yeah if you have a baby with laryngomalacia with reflux obviously that's much more dangerous because there's a risk they could aspirate on that so instead of just vomiting and it being very uncomfortable and it may be interfering with weight gain and those things they could actually end up inhaling some of that and then some of those the issues that could then come from that obviously around all kinds of things yeah, um, isn't it something like a, a teaspoon of stomach acid can cause detrimental issues. harm? So we do need to be very careful if a baby has laryngomalacia and reflux alongside it. So that's something to be really mindful of for health visitors. Um, yeah. Because reflux is something we manage all the time in practice. Yes. Um, but would have to be managed differently in, yeah. that, in that specific case. And if you're interested in how reflux can be managed, <laughs> then, go to your podcast feed and yeah. listen. We have an episode on reflux. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, we're getting enough. We can refer back to our, ourselves. It's yeah. quite exciting. <laughs> I so yeah, that's, so that's Luingo Malaysia, folks, and and other throaty things, and other throaty things. Um, so thank you ever so much for listening. Um, please do um, be, okay, stay in touch with us and yeah, email us. us. Email us at iamahealthvisitor at gmail You can look on our Facebook page, which is I am a health visitor. Or our Twitter, which is... I am a HV. Oh, at I am a HV. Yeah, yes. at I'm a HV. And I'm new to Twitter, folks. Very new to Twitter. <laughs> and do um, feel, you know, subscribe to us, tell your, your colleagues about us. Yeah. Um, yeah do, and rate us, you know, let rate us know. Are we, doing, are we doing okay? Would you like to see anything different? Mm-hmm. Would you like to see the way we do these change at all? Um, we are really, really wanting to get more feedback so that we know that we are doing um, what is wanted of what's us. Useful for and you. what's useful, yeah. Um, it's one of those things where we're really enjoying doing this, um, but, you know, we, we don't want to be banging on about something you know about already yeah while simultaneously missing out something that we really should be talking about so if there's a question that's come up in your office that you don't know the answer to or something you're seeing a lot in practice and you think actually what's the evidence base for that and what what do i need to know if that comes up in clinic then pop us an email and let us know or tweet us 
yeah it would be great to be able to do an episode based on uh, your queries thank you very much for listening yeah thank you bye bye bye